You got a roll for your tent pole. Save versus collapse. Hello. Oh, hi, Merlin Man. How are you? I'm very good, Dan Benjamin. How are you this morning? I'm okay. I'm all right. <sighs> Me too. Yeah. Me too. I had a weird night last night. What happened? What was the first thing that happened? Well, I I I, uh, I mentioned this on the tutor, but I um I watched <laughs> a lot of Deadwood. Oh yeah. And I read old D and D books. Whoa! That's, that's, which which that's ones? I did. Well, truth be told, I um went out and dug up some uh, I don't know the technical term for this PDFs of um, player handbook, DM guide, monster manual, and deities and demigods, which are the four that They're I the main ones. Yeah, they call those the tent the tent poles. Tent pole <laughs> the, the, at the intersection of Dungeons and Dragons. You got to roll for your tent pole. Save versus collapse. Saving throw. My goodness, it's so much more complicated. There's a whole section just on gems and how much they cost and what their powers are. It's a, it's, it, but it did. It took me right back. Something about the typography, this kind of Futura-esque look. Of, it is. Yeah. It really is. I was looking at these. They have a, they have a store here uh, called Outlaw Moon, which is a secondary store of the Austin Books and Comics store. And all it had, the whole store is just basically the thing. If you took all of the things that identified us as geeks and anti socialites and put them in a store, <laughs> and it's the best store ever. And they have old Dungeons and Dragons stuff, like all the new stuff, but the old stuff. It's more like all, you know, ancient Transformers and G.I. Joe's and all of our favorite toys oh, and everything yeah. in one place. It'd be so nice to have one place you could go to where you could get a disguise or something and just go to that one place and get all your shame under one roof. I, I, uh, I, I there was a place like that. There was a, it had a silly name. I think it was called like Game Time or something like that. I don't even remember, but it was, it was like Valhalla to me. Like going to this place, it was the place in Pasco County to go. If you, I mean, there were, there were hobby places that, you know how there was those different kinds of hobby shops. There were like, I don't remember there being many comic stores because I wasn't into comics too much at the time. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember there were like the hobby shops that were mostly like Estes Rockets and stuff like that that also maybe had some D&D stuff. This was a gaming store that also had – so, you know, they had the big tables with ply, big plywood tables you could play at. They had a, a Pepsi machine with Mountain Dew in it. They had the Ralpartha figs and, uh, and they, had a, they had a Stargate which was my go-to game. So to me, like that was, I could just, I could spend five hours there. But the, you know, I, Immerse I, I, yourself. I was immersed. The, the thing is, it's, I don't know. I, I, I added some things to my wish list, uh, like old copies of these books, but they're costly. Like if you want to find an actual old copy of these, I think they're, even the PDFs are pretty beat up. Yeah, they're, the, oh, oh, so you mean the PDFs are like scans of, your, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's and stupid it's, because but I remember, I remember there was this point in time where uh, many years after college, my mom was moving house and she said, I've got all these boxes of your, your old stuff. You know, I'm going to save all of it for you. And I said, mom, I don't have any sentimental value to that. Save what you want and get rid of whatever else. She's like, but I've got, you know, all your D&D books are here and, and all your all your Legos are here. I'm like, get rid of all that crap. I don't want it anymore. And and literally, I just want to go and, uh, and, and, and beat that guy up that said that. Because all of this stuff is 
it's great. And it's not like they were in that good condition or anything, but I had them, you know, like what was I thinking? I was on that minimalist kick. So, uh, but also, you know, you think you go through these times where like, I'm mostly pretty sentimental about that stuff. Like I've, where I've kept, you know, a strange mix of stuff from childhood that I really wanted. And that's gotten, you know, that has gotten to be a thinner and thinner line of nostalgia over the years. But I think there are also windows where you're like, Oh God, the last thing I need is another box of stuff to move every few months. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I was, you know, just like, like, I don't, I I just don't have a lot of sentimental of attachment to things. And that was, that was the way that I was looking at it. Like, oh, those things, they're not important to me anymore in a sentimental way. But I just didn't think of like one day I'd be doing a show where I really wish I could consult, you know, deities and demigods. Yeah. (laughs) Deities and demigods learn more about, you know, the beholder or whatever. That, well, that was Monster Manual, technically. So, uh, yeah, oh, go look at the show notes. I, uh, I put right. up a screen grab of that. Uh, you got the Elric there from uh, Deities and Demigods, drawn by the wonderful Jeff D. Look at that guy. Huh? Uh, that oh, style? yes. That's the style. Yeah. I love that style. Mm, he was the best. Yeah, and it got me a little nostalgic. Plus, there was a lot of cursing on Deadwood. So it was a good night, but I ended up going to bed a little later than usual. I, I've really, I've curtailed my bedtime, and it's been working out really well. Elric. Elric. Look at that guy, huh? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the the styles were really, but, you know, it, it is amazing to sit there. And, of course, I'm reading this. The Dungeon Master's guy was pretty big. It was probably, like, a, like almost a foot high. And uh, when you're reading it on a PDF, <laughs> yeah, it was you a got a really, it's very dense information. <laughs> and what is that font? You know what? I don't know exactly. It looks, I'm going to say it's Futura. It's, it's Futura-ish for sure, but it's certainly evocative. Look at that. You know, Does he have the black razor there? Uh, that's Stormbringer. Stormbringer. Okay. I just want to get clear. Because of his albinism, if you're wondering about the, uh, if you're wondering about the parentheses, <laughs> it's because of his albinism. Yeah. You see, he makes, he makes, he makes his own potions, (laughs) much like myself. You know what? I never played a chaotic evil character. I just never, I just never went that way. It seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Godzilla is chaotic neutral, I'm told. Godzilla is chaotic neutral. (laughs) Chaotic neutral. I, I, um, you know, again, I I mostly drew maps, but when, when we did have characters, uh, I, I liked being, I liked being a ranger because I like that combination of like some fighter and some thief. I, I, I was never into, especially if you're starting out with a new character. Was, I didn't. I personally didn't enjoy playing the magic users, illusionists, and clerics. But uh, I like me a ranger, a chaotic good ranger. Boy, that was a lot of fun. Or a monk. If you could roll a monk, boy. I wish I could roll a monk today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. I do. Is that a euphemism? Or mm, a lot of dexterity. <laughs> <laughs> I would they need use, some very they, special, very special potions to be able to repel on a wall or have my quiver and palm. <laughs> <laughs> so strange and Looks so like something you bizarre. get a ticket for on Muni, quivering palm. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, improper use of a staff. I beg your pardon, monk. <laughs> See, where's my belt? Hiding back here. Yeah. Anyway, that's fun. Uh, and of course, you can find show notes for this episode at uh, this is episode one seventy two. Dan, can you even believe that? No, I can't. Especially for for a guy who couldn't do more than three episodes of a thing. Isn't that a funny thing? How yeah. it turns out. I think the only. No. You know what? I think the only reason that we've done so many episodes is to prove whoever that person was wrong. And I and that you know I need to thank them for that. If it wasn't for grudge and spite, I wouldn't get much of anything done. <laughs> <laughs> I dress my daughter because I despise her. Put this on. Put the, put the, why can't you put I, I I don't know when I turned into such a Bill Cosby character at home. 
Our, our daughter has become just a, a little bit more mm, cagey. Cagey. She doesn't respond when we talk to her sometimes, and she does not put her socks on. There's a lot of sock. I shouldn't get into it, but uh, you know why we did. We know why we didn't record on Tuesday. You had something, something family related was I going. Can't go too far into it, but we took a field trip to the Apple Store. Like a when you say field trip, does that it just simply mean you and your daughter went somewhere, or as a school? On Tuesday, I learned that there is such a thing. <laughs> Tuesday, I learned T I L T I L that T I L that you can. This was the most wackadoodle field trip ever because I'm not sure what everyone was thinking, but we walked. the The chaperones, the kids, the teacher, we walked uh, to the mall. Well, San Francisco is a walking walking city. We walked over two miles, but and oh my God. a mile there and a mile back. Was wow, uphill both ways. Crossing streets. Please hold hands. Please hold hands. Could you hold, could oh you do me a favor God. and hold hands? Could you oh please hold God. hands? Would you hold that hand, sir? Go to lunch. Anyway, uh, it was pretty fun. It was weird. Uh, the Apple Store at our mall has gotten a lot nicer now. They expanded. Uh, my friend, the manager there, is is much more relaxed now. Max is a very relaxed man now that he has some room to really spread out. And uh, it was good. They made uh, little made little movies and played Wreck It Ralph. So that was good. Dan, we have to do a, a slightly abbreviated show today. Not that bad. It's just a regular length show. It's average. Yeah, you're sweet to say so. <laughs> I was swimming. <laughs> a mile each way, uphill. Uphill. Oh, brother. Do you I'm go not- up that? You, everything you do, my understanding is that the, you, the main thoroughfare in, in San Francisco is that one road with all the turns in it. Everyone has to go up and down that to get to work. Yeah, yeah. The city was designed by mostly by Olmsted and Escher. So <laughs> we're always going uphill. Yeah. Uh, um, and do you and, pass uh, Alcatraz on the way to uh, to work? Yeah, and you pass Alcatraz everywhere. This is San Francisco. You can't not see Alcatraz. It's like a hub, a hub city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful prison. I um, figured out one thing. I just want to interject this because it's related. Yeah. I figured out how they can fix the comicsology thing, but we can oh, circle yeah, back no, to no. that. How many sponsors do we have today? Yeah. We have the one. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, well, go ahead and tell me how they can fix it. All right. The way that they can fix this, because uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, number two came out. Yep. I had yep. to get that. And Moises told me that I should be reading the original Sin, uh, what is it called? Special edition, the series. It's, it's a, a short series about Uwatu. It's a murder mystery with Uwatu. Right. Who shot JR in the Marvel <laughs> Universe? <laughs> so I, I said, actually Nova was in the shower the whole season. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know how I was going to pick this up because this week is crazy. We finally got the old offices finally shut down, and we've got all the the movers bringing everything. So I, I just didn't, didn't want to try and do too much. So I said I will buy these digitally. And the way it works now, you go to the Comicsology website, you buy the stuff there, and then you go to your Comicsology app or apps, and you download them, and they download and I. Yeah, I was, it was reminiscent having been experimenting a bunch with Android over the last, you know, few weeks. The way that you can do things with the Google Play Store, you go to the Google Play Store either in an app or you can just go to the website. I actually prefer doing it on the website. You go to the website, you find the app that you want to download, you click the download button or the install button, and it'll pop up a little modal dialogue that'll say, which device do you want to send this to? This is kind of the same as when you buy something on Amazon.com and using the Kindle uh, you know, when you're buying something for the Kindle, it was like, which Kindle do you want this to get sent to automatically? If Comixology did that and sort of had registered devices 
Uh, and you could say, oh, send this to my iPad Air, please, when I'm buying this now. Instead of then having to go to Comixology, launch it, make sure you're logged in on the app, manually download the things that are under your purchases section that it doesn't notify you are there waiting for you. That's mm-hmm. how they can fix it. What's the, what's the crucial difference? The crucial difference is the auto download or the sending to your device. Oh, like push it in the background. Right. Or even just if the Comixology app had like a little three uh, red circle on it to let me know that there were three things I needed to download. That would, that would be pretty fantastic. And just download them in the background the way that Castro downloads my podcasts for me. Why can't it download the purchases for me? I don't know. Maybe it's done doing that. But that, I think that would fix a lot of things for me. That's pretty good. Well, you know, you, you've always been able, at least in recent years, you've always been able to subscribe to a comic. I mean, something, I guess. So that auto downloads, but it does it work like that with the purchase? Because it didn't, maybe I'm doing something wrong, but it didn't for me, even though I went, I bought Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then I bought the oh, Zero Watch, the Zero Original Sin, and then the One and the Two. They were not there on the device. I had to manually go in and remember later that, oh yeah, right, I bought these at 10 o'clock this morning, so I've got to go in and, and I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think there's like, you know, three different events. I mean, there's the per- there's the ordering I'm sounding like some kind of a computer guy here, but there's the ordering of something where you say like from now on, uh, I want to, I think it's just a button you click, click called subscribe. Mm. And so the first event is that you, you know, process that. And then as soon as it becomes available on the day, it gets charged. And then as you say, the third part is when you open up Comixology, you'll see download, you know, if it's already there, it says read. Uh, and if it hasn't been downloaded, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I was on a, um, a podcast uh, that just came out the other day, Moises and John Gould's, John, see, I, I get confused because of his internet name, John Goulson, right? And, uh, and R. Stevens. And we, we talked a little bit about this and, and some of the frustrations and, and some of the opportunities, you know, and I, I guess I still feel like, you know, we've covered it plenty on here before, but I, I still feel like the, the biggest loss in some ways is that, is, you know, the new people who are coming in, you know what I mean? Where I think it's going to still be kind of confusing to come in. But for folks who, you know, if you're not just hate quitting comiXology on principle, I think that's still not super hard to deal with. I take your point though. Like if you got on a plane, you know, uh, you wouldn't have all your stuff on there. You do need to still download it. Right. That was the nice thing with both the Google Play Store and with, you know, buying something on Amazon tier Kindle is like when you bought it, it's on your device right then. You don't have to Mm -hmm. worry about that or think about that. And uh, and, and so that, you know, I think they could, if, if that's not already happening and I'm just doing it wrong, then, uh, then, then that would be really nice. But I'll tell you what, I still really like the experience of reading the comic book. Now I can't believe I'm saying this. I like it so much better on the iPad. I really do. I do too. I really like it a lot. I mean, I've got glasses that work and lights that I can turn on, but it's still, it's just, it's so much more fun in the morning to just have the lights off and, you know, my daughter and I just can just read. Or, you know, frequently I'm reading in the dark. You know what I mean? It's, right. I, it's, it's so much easier. But, you know, I recently pulled out the, um, you know, 1975 Uncanny X-Men. We're kind of starting over, you know, with, with the, the classic Uncanny X-Men. Right. Reading those in um, Mar- Marvel Masterworks. And it is really fun because it does, it does look really beautiful. But uh, it's not a vastly superior experience to, to reading it on the iPad. And in the case of something like the omnibus editions, like I would have to have like one of those, like, like a, you know, like somebody who does illuminated texts. I would want to have like a large lectern to sit at with a book that big 
Like we've got the omnibus of Uncanny X-Men, which is like the first, it's like uh, giant size X-Men in 94 through like the 120s maybe. Mm-hmm. You've seen that book. Yeah. You see the picture of my daughter eating the book as a baby. It's 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 it is over three inches thick. It's really really heavy. It's beautiful. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think it's I, I don't know. This has been talked about plenty. It wouldn't keep coming up if it weren't something we have to think about. You know, uh, throughout our our use of this of this stuff. And I am. I mean, the truth is, I am heavily invested in comicsology. Mm-hmm. I have an embarrassing amount of stuff that I bought in there that I hope never goes away. Um, and so, I mean, you know, I have. It's kind of weird, though. It's in, in a way, it reminds me of almost of the, the the change that you see with how people consume music. Where it's it's so strange how, on the one hand, how quickly iTunes was able in what like probably three years seemed to kind of revolutionize. Yeah. The way people got music. More and more people were going out and buying singles, like ninety-nine cent or dollar twenty-nine or whatever it mm. was then. Songs. More and more people were like going out and buying their their albums in the same way we rebought CDs. And it wasn't that many years later that now it seems like the trend among the younger people is that they're not buying. They're they're listening to something like RDO or something, right? I, I mean, mean, that's a I thing, don't, right? yeah, it, for 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 you know, whether it's RDO or Spotify, I'm I'm on the Spotify side of that fence right now but you know it's like nine ten bucks a month it's all the music that you pretty much any all the music that you want as much as you want wherever you are uh, even offline pretty cool and we're undoing the habit of years and years of you know having bookshelves full of cds and and dvds and videotapes for that matter but you know honestly i think if there in some ways if there is any medium that is amenable to that sort of a service uh it's probably comics because the truth is like i've bought a lot of stuff, uh, you know, that's like sort of my B titles, you know, stuff that I really like, like I really like Daredevil End of Days. I don't know if I need to own it. I don't know if I would read that often enough. To me, it's almost like a library book where I would want to read it about as often as I could get it from a library. So, I mean, some people were speculating, I think it was Moises in particular, was speculating that this is a good opportunity, especially for people like, um, what's the Marvel app called? Uh, Infinite oh, yeah. Item? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's it called? The Marvel version. Uh, yeah, Marvel Unlimited, which is the essentially Comixology branded for Marvel. And they have other content in there that you can't get on Comixology. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, they hold course, things back. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an, you know, that, that's an interesting move there where like, you know, like, like I've speculated what happens if Marvel or DC just decides to stop working with Comixology because it's not worth the hassle. You know what I mean? It's... You know, I guess that really benefits me. I should I should give Unlimited another try. I just I, I got so into the guided view stuff in Comicsology. Has Love that gotten that. better? Has it gotten better with? Uh, I have not Unlimited? have not tried it. I just pretty much just stick with with uh, with with Comicsology. I haven't even tried that one in a long time. And I thought there was at some point there was a way you could like exchange stuff between them, but hmm, I don't know. Hmm. I like that. Uh, so the, the new Nova is a kid, right? I'm Very not young Nova. It. I don't know anything. About it's pretty good. I, I go. I, I read um, all of uh, issue zero and part of issue one. I think it's pretty good. People seem to like it. Uh, you're talking about the um, the Iwatu thing. What's it called? Original Sin. Yeah, Original Sin is the series that that, that we're talking about. This gets us to our to the potential nominal topic. Like, you think you're busy? You think you've got an inbox? Go check out Iwatu's inbox. <laughs> that guy has a lot of incoming data. To <laughs> yeah, with. he's. I don't think it's a big spoiler, but we find out that, you know, Owatu, who's super creepy, um, 
<laughs> and who's actually not not that great at staying out of things like he's supposed to. But Uatu is not only monitoring like everything that's happening. They happening call that the, the Prime Directive. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Don't kiss the green lady. <laughs> Disrupts the ecosystem. Ecos. Ethos. What's your, what's your Captain Kirk workflow? Do you have a thought? <laughs> Call. Write in. Send a comment. Uh, but he's actually monitoring all the multiverse. So whatever's happening, he's got he's got this this entire like huge number of screens that where where he's watching what's happening with like African American Hulk. He's finding out you know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening with transgender cyclops? Like whatever it is, anywhere in any conceivable universe, he's watching it all. He's essentially the, the the god of comic book guys everywhere. He's the watcher, and we find out, but what's nice in, in the uh, issue zero, and we should probably stop talking about comics now that we're a third of the way into the show, but uh, we find out sort of where it comes from. Like it's 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 a little, I don't know, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. We find out like why they they nominally, theoretically stay out of stuff now, why they just watch and record. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. It didn't go well one time. Yeah, there was a mistake that happened apparently and um but I'm I'm excited now this original sin apparently he's dead now. And mm-hmm. that's the, the there's a, a, a issue 0 which explains like who he was, issue 1 who who killed him, but then as a result of this all these other things are being revealed and be and and, and information coming out. And I'm going to guess that it could lead to a giant event that could cause trouble across the entire universe i'm just guessing here yeah and destroy new york city uh, jesus yeah which Since is the fine. father so i think the original sin probably refers to what his father convinced the other watcher creepy watcher guys to do hmm. <laughs> i have no theory it's, it's like a big baby it's a big head you ever watch the old fantastic four cartoon from the 60s you know i don't think i've seen that one a lot i i Ooh, it's not <laughs> do you remember hercules from that time period no. You don't? I bet you anything if I play Marvel? Is that a Marvel show? I think it was. Hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to I know uh when Captain America throws his mighty shield and I know Doc Bruce Banner and Gamma Race. I know that. Yeah, that was a good one. They're the same style. And so and they, of course there was a Spider Man that has that, you know, that but everyone the budget was so poor. A Galactus is like five and a half feet tall. They couldn't even afford to draw a large Galactus. <laughs> He's just human sized. And the voices are all like, I think like Paul Freeze does some, you know, the Haunted House guy. No, wait, that's Paul Freeze, Paul Freeze, right? Yeah. He does some of the uh, voices of the Fantastic Four. It's really weird. Probably Casey Kasem. Dan, did you want to tell me about something that you like? Oh, I would love to tell you about something I like. It's something that uh, you're somewhat familiar with, uh, too. It's it's a little company called Linda. Linda.com. Yes, I'm familiar with them. They help you keep up to date with the stuff that you already know. And they help you learn new stuff. That's basically the the way that you can think of Linda as the source of all knowledge on the internet when it comes to learning things like what? Well, maybe you want to start with hobbies. Maybe you're just interested in like, how do I use Final Cut Pro? Or maybe I want to try this podcasting thing. How do I get into it? You want to get tips on the, the latest online tools? Sure. You, they even have productivity stuff on there that's really cool. I mean, you name it, they have a video about it. And this is such a great way to learn, as you all know. But these are the ones, these, these folks really originated this and they, they started way back in the day and they've continued to grow and evolve. They now have over 2,400 courses and these are taught by industry experts. They're adding more every week. This isn't just somebody who is a hobbyist themselves. These are people who are, who are working in the industry, who understand what you need to know, whether it's a specific application or whether it's a getting things done or whatever it is, you name it. And, uh, and, and here's the thing, everything is going to be here. 
from Adobe Creative Cloud, Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro, you name it. They even have stuff on there now, iPad for business. Google Docs is, is there. The great stuff on that. It's amazing what you can do with that. Keynote, all of this stuff is there. Courses are broken into bite-sized pieces. So if you've got 15 minutes, that's fine. You can get in there and learn something. You get 15 hours, you learn at your own pace, you set your own terms, and you go in there and you have access to everything. That's the key to this, is there is a monthly subscription and you get access to every single one of their videos. And there's a new thing they're doing now. If you become a premium member with an annual plan, you can download the courses to your iPhone, your iPad, you watch them offline. You're on the plane, you want to get on the plane. I don't know how to use Final Cut Pro 10, X, whatever you want to call it. I don't know how to use this. You get on the plane, you get off the plane. Now you're a professional. You're ready to go work in the industry. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Try it out. Try it. That's not a person. You're saying literally one plane flight. One plane flight. Caching. That's right. Man. So here's what you do. We are going to give you the entire library for free for seven days to see what we're talking about here. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash back to work. Full access to everything that they have, as much or as little as you want for seven days, totally free. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash back to work. Thank you very much to Linda for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work with Merlin May. And then Benjamin, thank you, thank you, Linda. I'm looking for this this Hercules cartoon because I think if you hear the uh, the intro, you will you will know what we're talking about. Here it is. Okay, I'm going to play this. Hercules, hero of song and story. Hercules, winner of ancient glory. Fighting for the right, fighting with his might. With the strength of ten ordinary men. Hercules, people are safe when near him. Hercules, only the evil fear him. Softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs. Virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty. Worst cartoon ever. Wow. And there was a little talking, there's a little uh, centaur or fawn type guy with a horse's body, but he was the most obnoxious. Was the he worst. wisecracking? No, he wasn't funny. He was trying to be wisecracking, but he wasn't. You, you were seeing the, the Hulk, the uh, cartoon intro, right? Yeah, Doc Bruce Banner. Yeah, let me get you that one because that one's stuck in my head now. Hold on. Okay, I think I got this one. Yeah, here it is. Tell me if this is the right one. Dr. Banner, down in my gamerate, turns into the Hulk. He and Glamorate. Back in the town with the power of a bull. Take your monster clown, who is as lovable as ever loving Hulk. Hulk, Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> But he does not have iron in his thighs. No, no, he lacks that. Mm. These mm. are good. This is what we watched. This is what we watched. We as kids were watching 15-year-old cartoons that were bad when they came out. Oh, my God. It's so funny. <laughs> Yesterday, see, Wednesday's Wednesday my crazy short day where I drop drop my kid off and then I pick her up early. And so I have like a, like a not a problem, but it's like a three-hour day. But that also means we've got a, like a long afternoon to do like a big project or something. Frequently, like especially if we're both a little bit shagged out, we'll watch like a little bit of TV. Like, you know, three 
short things, like three Adventure Time length things, yeah. just to, you know, less than an hour. But we, uh, she, she, for some reason, she loves The Rabbit of Seville. Um, oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so good. Still really, really funny and bizarre. And I don't even know how much sense it makes. But, you know, as a fan of Presto, if you wonder, like, you know, gosh, the people who who loved made Presto obviously loved Bugs Bunny, and it's it's hilarious. She's like, why does why does why does he walk on Elmer Fudd's head? And so, um, but she's like, did you watch? That? How old were you when these came out? And I was like, well, I actually these came out, and these are good cartoons, but still, these came out. You know what? 10, 15 years before I was born, at probably. least, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, but I said, I was like, I have to be honest with you, Eleanor, and don't think you get to do this. <laughs> but I would get up every Saturday morning. Before my parents, yeah, I would walk out with a giant box of some horrible, horrible cereal, <laughs> probably like Fruity Pebbles or something. And I would sit there and watch TV from basically the farm report at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. through the Cosby kids at noon, whatever. You know what I mean? Basically, I was like, you're not going to believe this, Eleanor, but every Saturday of my childhood, I watched 90 minutes of Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah. At least. And, and, but and, see, that, but don't, here's the thing. That's the... um on with the show this is it thing that was the only time that they were on they were on saturday morning early and they would be on and then they would end and guess what you waited another week to see cartoons if you were really lucky they might show speed racer and ultraman you know during the day like you get speed racer at 6 30 in the morning and you get ultraman at three in the afternoon or something like that but that was really Uh it there was no block of time and then when we got a little bit older i you you were a few years older than me but i think you probably still were in the time period of saturday morning you'd still get looney tunes but you also would get the transformers and then gi joe and like this was a big thing like you had a block of time where you could go and let you waited all week for this. There was no VHS tapes. There was no DVR certainly. And there was no streaming internet. There was this time from like six or seven in the morning until like 10 or 11 in the morning, one day a week when you had cartoons, it was, it was like an acknowledgement that you as a human being of that age existed. And that was it. That's all you got. Now it's like, Oh, anytime I want to play something, I just play something. But this was different, you know? Yes. And worse. <laughs> are you ready for this? What? Are you ready? Are you ready for the, 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 the huge, the scarring incident of my 10th year? Yes. <sighs> I'm not sure how this happened, but I ended up taking accordion lessons. I'm, I don't wow. know how this got passed to my mother or to me, but somehow we ended up renting me an accordion and having me have to be somewhere at 10 or 1030 a.m. on Saturday morning. And guess what? The accordion lessons started right about the same time that the new season of cartoons started. So I did not get to watch Batman. Oh, wow. They had a brand new Batman comic, which, of course, was terrible, like all of those those cartoons back then. But that's what you're talking about. There wasn't any kind of like uh, like TiVo video on demand type situation. You just you if you were lucky, maybe you'd catch it in, in reruns. But uh, you, you imagine how brutal that is. I'm sitting around playing uh, Little Brown Jug while Batman's doing something, and <laughs> another. That's 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 horrifying. You know, it's, what a way to live. It's, <laughs> I mean, we we don't we would never as a family use the television as a way to occupy our children so that we could have a brief three to five minute adult conversation. Dan, are there people who do that no, in this world? Not. I mean, nobody nowadays Shame does. Shame on them, Dan. Who would do that? Nobody. Shame uh, on them. But imagine the child 
who is so starved for cartoons that from for a period of five to six hours is going to be so locked into that TV. Imagine what you could do Saturday morning from seven in the morning until 11, like sleep. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And imagine we've knowing, lost that as a culture. It isn't like saying go in the other room and become extremely occupied with your homework for half an hour. In this case, you know they're not going anywhere. There's nowhere better than where they are right now. You could leave the house for six hours and know that your kids were fine. You put a pot next to them. <laughs> right. right. I didn't you, get I didn't get up to pee during that entire time. Man. Who would get up to pee? You might miss something. You might miss the commercials too. Right. That's right. Yeah. And oh what heights will hit. On with the show. This is it. I don't think we have time for our topic, but I, but I, I, no, I'd let's, be happy to, to let's get the topic, not clear it out. Yeah. Knock so? it out. Yeah. Let's do it. Pinch it off. Pinch, pinch mm. one out. Um, <laughs> but I mean, why can't you make Galactus kind of massive? Why, why would you not make Galactus really big? Is it, is it really that hard? I mean, Galactus was kind of big. He was, he was, he was maybe, maybe kind of almost King Kong sized. But it was kind of variable depending on the shot. And, you know, Silver Surfer comes in and, you know, Sue kind of like convinces him to become a good guy. Silver Surfer wasn't only a bad guy for a very short period of time. I think people forget this. But we had read that. We had read the Galactus and Silver Surfer stuff from old, 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 old Fantastic Four. And then even she thought the cartoon was ludicrous. Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah. So now I got that <sighs> stupid Hulk song in my head. Ain't he unglamorous? <laughs> so bad. What? <laughs> Did you watch so the newer, high. did you watch the, like, uh, the Spider-Man and his amazing friends one where they had Iceman and Firestarter hanging out with Spider-Man and then they had a newer Hulk and Stan Lee himself would do the, intros. Would do the intros? We've, we've seen it a little bit on Netflix. I know that that's one of those ones that's. So you well, didn't watch not, it as a kid. Oh gosh, no. no oh no, gosh. Wasn't that in like the eighties or nineties? Yeah, I think that was probably early, early eighties. Yeah. I'd have to look that up. No, I watched the, the, I mean, I think, what, probably stuff like the, the terrible, like when Captain America rode a motorcycle on live action TV. I liked, I liked that. I liked, uh, Nicholas Hammond from Sound of Music as uh, Spider-Man. But, you know, by that time I was kind of growing out of superhero stuff, superhero cartoon stuff. I was like, I was only really kind of sort of into comic books for a pretty short time in the late seventies. Yeah. Um, it was prohibitively expensive to, to even to get into a little because that was candy money. Oh yeah, well, you're, yeah, you're gonna yeah. get a comic book instead of candy. Are you high? That's that's insane. You buy some wacky pack. What's wrong with you? You're kind of a monster. <laughs> mm. See now I feel bad. No, I wouldn't. Uh, we got uh, an email from somebody. See now this is we can't even talk about this. No, now. go right into it. It's fine. It's good. Okay. His family died yesterday in a bus accident, and they want. <clears throat> no. Uh, we got, see, I'm adding levity. Ain't he unglamorous? <laughs> we what? need that as a little, a little sound bite. Uh. Um. Anyway, I this is this is a. I'm going to speak freely as if I've never talked about this before, even though we've talked about this a lot. Because I think this is a good a good reminder. I, I like the email we got from this guy. I don't know if we ever got clearance. Um, we read. never re- we never received a, a word back from yeah. this person. Hey, see, he he asked the uh, one of the canonical questions. Um, 
received this a couple days ago. Really, uh, I was really struck by your something in your recent discussion of that super douchey Wall Street guy who wants to live in a world where most people wake him in the middle of the night with email he has to respond to immediately. Yeah. Practice inbox zero. I mean, the subject line basically is, how do I stop checking my email and start actually doing things? Which I think is a terrific question. He says, I've been struggling with this for years. He's recently, uh, he's trying to do GTD. He's got OmniFocus installed. Uh, I think very telling here. It seems that even if I'm using GTD, my task tracker rapidly becomes a forest of angry red, do yesterday, do six, six days ago, and do forever ago, you are a loser and everything you touch turns to garbage labels. <laughs> I have those labels. The lack of any kind of uh, declare bankruptcy or, or I give up button means that I need to spend tons of time just reclassifying, reprioritizing, and adjusting due dates. I think this is a, a very common uh feeling a very common drill. Yeah. I'm not asking for a solution. I know the solution is to just do it, damn it, or it must not be that important. Uh, if you've ever experienced anything like this, consider discussing it. Uh, I, I'll tell you the truth, man. I, uh, I, I, I am just so sympathetic. Is this something we could talk about? Very much so, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if this would be helpful to you, but I'd like to try and reframe this a little bit. Yeah, on the one hand, it is as simple as just go do it or it wouldn't be important. But unfortunately, it's not really that simple or you, we'd already be doing that. Um, there's a lot more to it than that. So I wanted to propose, you know, can I talk a little bit of background on this? Yeah, at please. At the risk of rehashing? Yeah, well, because, you know, there's a lot of new listeners. Every day somebody's born who's never heard my Flintstones in <laughs> Um Yeah. I think to review, I think one of the basic problems with email is that it's a combination of different things. Um, you know, if email were just stuff we'd already, if it was just stuff we knew about, or if it was just stuff and or it was just stuff that we knew what we were doing something about, and or it was just stuff that was all done, it wouldn't be a problem. But in fact, it's the opposite of that. It's unknown things, it's undefined things, it's incomplete things. That's what makes it so maddening. It's un, it's, uh, you have unknown stuff in your inbox, right? That's right. why you check your inbox. I don't even know if anything is in there. If it is in there, what is that thing? Well, once you've identified what that thing is, have you, decide, have you decided like what it means to you? Is there anything to be done about it? I think for a lot of us, that's a huge hang up. It's easy enough to just go check your email and then kind of just, you know, flip through and go, you know, archive, archive or, yeah. or whatever, or leave it there like a lot of people do. I think the first major hang up comes from, okay, whew, I had the relief of knowing that nothing has exploded in my inbox, but I have not made a decision about what each of these things means. And yet I haven't archived it or deleted it. And I think that's a very important distinction. I mean, I'm not here to just, you know, you know, run the inbox zero up the flag, uh, flag up the pole. But, um, but I think, I think the, the problem of defining tasks is where it gets extremely thorny because for most of us, and this is, to be honest, Dan, this is, like I said a few weeks ago, this is why I don't do a lot of heavy lifting with email on my phone. It's why I'm kind of reluctant to even check email on my phone because I know even in the best of cases, I'm likely to just kind of punt it into the future mm -hmm. or just leave it sitting there. And that to me really starts to add up. That starts to weigh on you. Because when you're checking that stuff all the time, you really are in some ways dealing with the anxiety of saying like, I, the anxiety that I feel right now is I don't know what's in there, but my sense is that it could be something terrible or it could be something urgent or it could be something great. It could be something that's going to lift my day and make me feel wonderful. Whatever it is, there's always, you always the second you stop checking email, you're, if you're um, susceptible to this kind of thinking, like most of us, you're immediately going to wonder what is in there now. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it, you know, this is this sounds so simple, but it's not. You know, it sounds simple to say, well, if I check my email all the time, I'll know I'm always up to date. Well, no, if you check your email all the time, but then don't do something with it, 
that's going to cause a lot of frustration for you later because each one of those, it's like, it's almost like a little penny, right? Like each one of those little things starts to really add up and carrying a lot of pennies, even though they don't weigh very much on their own, start to really accumulate in terms of weight. Mm. And that undefined thing becomes huge because now you know there's something in there, but you haven't decided what to do about it. Maybe because you're busy right now. Maybe because you were primarily there scanning for bombs, which everybody does. But if you go in there and you see a thing and you know there's something to do about it besides delete it, right? Let's say that even happens with just one message in there. Uh, that lack of definition will start to weigh on you. And so, you know, on the one hand, there are people on the one end of the spectrum who might do nothing about it and leave it in there for a year and just add it to the worry pile. And then there are other people who might just archive it immediately, which is kind of less than it probably needed to have done to it. But you may not do what's necessary to turn it into in a getting things done style fashion. You may not be willing to define it in terms of, okay, here's what project this is for, and here's the next action that I need to do in order mm -hmm. to get this done. Because that's really time consuming, and that's what makes it hard. Well, and, and some of that feels like, to be honest, some of that feels like work. You know what I mean? And and it seems like our work, goal work is in drudgery, work as in drudgery, work is in the hard stuff, work is in the stuff that you don't look forward to doing in your in your day. You know, the things that that it sounds like and I hear this a lot whenever I talk to folks about doing, you know, the getting things done style of getting things done is that it sounds it sounds like a whole lot more work. It sounds like you're, it's like, well, wait a minute before I just had this thing to do and now I need to work on stuff before I get, do the same thing that I was going to do to categorize it and file it and put it down on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's, it's a different philosophy and it's one that I think is one of the hard, I'm not very good at it. It's, it's because it feels like it's, it's tough to do. It's tough to convince yourself to do more work just to do work. I, I totally agree. And I think you're describing one of the paradoxes or, or contradictions of knowledge work today, which is that, I mean, I, on the one hand, people take email extremely seriously. There are not that many people who would or could simply just not look at their email for a week. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, if you just didn't look at your email for a week, you'd probably still find out about stuff that was really important. It's just that you might find out about it um, maybe secondarily after it would have been easy to deal with. But more importantly, you would have found out about it like after like you had already accumulated all that stress about not not even looking at it. Yeah. But on the one hand, while people will claim to take email really seriously and check it all the time, they don't <clears throat> then bring the amount of effort and spend the amount of time necessary in order to convert that email into anything more than just a little bit of information. Because, you know, the thing is, if somebody's writing to you, they probably kind of want something from you, even if it's a yes or no. Yeah. And, oh, and you know what? I, I want to remind me when you're done, not to interrupt you, remind me when you're done to tell, I want to share a horrible email habit that I've picked up as a result of having a smartphone. Yeah. Okay. Well, just to finish the one part. So there's the unknown stuff, there's the undefined stuff, and then there's all the incomplete stuff. So there could be stuff in there where you have made a decision about it. Maybe you've even turned it into a task or a meeting uh, at the, at, at best, it's dead information that's still kind of, you know, polluting your, your, uh, inbox. Right. Uh, but at worst, it's something where you haven't finished making a decision about it. Like maybe there's still follow-up. Why would that still be in there? Why haven't you archived it? Because there's something that's keeping you from moving that all aside. So, and yeah, this is reiterating, this is coming back to like an old theme, but I think it's important to remember that when we think about email problems, we have to remember that the inbox, the very the very definition of an inbox is that have a it has a bunch of stuff in it. it might have a bunch of stuff in it you might need to do something about and that that can be that can be really uh that's a lot of uh 
psychic anxiety to deal with. And unless, unless you get to a point where you're okay with that existing the way it is, and unless you're okay with dealing with that in a way that lets you get out of the inbox, there's going to be some part of you that's always wondering more about what could be out there than you're actually spending time focusing something on something that you know is there and is very real. So, so the final point to throw to you in a sec, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the, one of the basic problems with procrastination, which is I think a flavor of what this, this, uh, the person who sent this email is dealing with. If you've gotten really bad at procrastinating about something, there's really nothing that you can get done. Because I, I feel like when I'm procrastinating badly, no matter, no matter how important or how uh, anxious something is making me feel, as soon as I start working on it, I don't feel relief that I'm finally dealing with something. I feel guilt about all the stuff that I'm not working on. Right. It's almost like it becomes like there's nothing more important than feeling guilty and anxious all the time. Because procrastination exists because you think there's always something more important than what you're doing, no matter what it is. And that's an affliction that goes way beyond not getting stuff accomplished. That becomes like, you know, the cloud over your head for the for the cartoon character. Like that will never go away unless you find a way to clear that. So mm. I just wanted to establish those basic rules and then to throw in the curveball that this is in some ways not really an email problem. Email is where you identify the problem that's happening, but the real problem is in your head, not in your inbox. Mm. So what's your habit? Well, I'm definitely something that, that I think ties into this is – you know, I've got, I've got an iPhone and or Android device, doesn't matter. You have a smartphone, right? And I have it hooked up to, you know, the two or three main email accounts that I get so that I do not have it giving me push notifications when I get mail. I have to go in, launch mail, and it will download whatever there is, is new. So that, that was nice. But the problem is, let's say that we, you know, we go to a, a lunch and during the lunch, you know, you say, okay, it, it's uh, it, it's the end of lunch. I'm paying the bill. Maybe this is a good time to quickly glance at the phone, see if there's any emails in there. Uh, two, three emails come in. You might just tap them, glance at them, and okay, good. Yeah, you know, get that out of the way. In my mind, I've I've seen those. Right? Oh, here's an, an email from Merlin telling me he's got something with his kid on Wednesday. We need to reschedule it. Great. Here's something about you know uh, the 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 office move and you know some other thing that something has shipped. Well, of those three things. I only really need to reply to one of them. And that's the one where Merlin's saying, let's reschedule. I need to reply and say, I got your email. We can do it this day, this day, or this day. What, what works for you? I need to do that. The other two, maybe I don't need to reply to. So that's easy enough for me to archive them. But what do I do with that email that's now been read and that I need to do something with and about? But do I go back and mark it as unread? Well, that's an extra step that I don't want. Uh, but when I get back to my office and I launch mail on my on my computer when I'm in front of it, I'm now I've got five to ten more new emails that are all bold with the little blue dot next to them, and I'm going to probably read and reply to some of those. But that one from Merlin that's asking to reschedule, unless I memorize that I need to reply to that one in Merlin to Merlin. I'm not going to even get to that one because the new emails are going to come in and then there's a show to record or a meeting to do or a sponsor right. to talk to. And so that and very, that's one, you're only talking about it's one email, one email for, and maybe I got five like that. Things, probably. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, but, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. So like how, so what's the process there? Well, that's, this is, you know, part of the problem. Like yesterday, you and I have had one of those, I don't want to say annoying, but one of those kind of like hard to nail down conversations where there's been a little bit of, 
stuff where you're sending me something and we need to talk about, you know, these various things about like, you're sending me a mic. And so you want to ask me these questions about like, do I have the stand? Do I have this kind of thing? And it's super nice of you to do that. And it's hard. It's difficult though, to have one conversation about that. This is just an example there. I have so many things like this going on all the time. Things like planning an event with multiple people. There's so many things that take a little bit of information at one time. So the big project called back to work show Think of all the like the hundreds or thousands of micro decisions that have gone into getting the show out mostly once a week. And sometimes it is something as simple as like I'm running late so the show will start late. But, you know, it, that big project is uh God willing not going to be finished anytime soon. Finished or, you know, completed or closed. It requires this constant trickle of stuff, not constant but like just enough that you can't quite manage it with something as simple as say like we don't have enough stuff to have like a weekly phone call. We certainly don't have enough stuff for a daily call, but if we only talked once a month, that would be enough, that would not be enough contact, right? Yeah. And I think that's what most of us have dozens of things happening with all the time. So when you, when you texted me yesterday and I didn't respond quickly, it's because I was crossing the street with my kid and, and I needed to, you know, get across the street and do this thing. And I knew that in order to respond in any kind of a way, it would take me more than the amount of time before I crossed the street. <laughs> right. Right. And now that's an, that's a text and you, and you go and deal with that. That's just one example of something, but you, you know, like I said, you and I have understandings about these things. There's times where you and I don't respond to a text for a couple of days and we pick right back up like yeah. nothing can happen. And that's our SOP. But what I'm saying is like, thank God we can have that relationship. For a lot of people, it's not that simple. They feel an urgency, understandably, a real world urgency about knowing your response to something and they email you. You sense that urgency. So you're nervous about stuff, right? You go, you check your email, you get that urgency immediately. But you still may not be able to respond. I accidentally, I agreed to something in September the other night because I don't do things. Of course I can do that thing. Right. And then I went and looked and that exact same day I'm in Boston. It's like, what are the chances of that happening? <laughs> but like, it only takes that happening yeah. like once a quarter for me to go, no, never agree to do anything without looking at a calendar. Are you high? I've got a kid. Like, <laughs> you know, we have a kid, we got one car. And, you know, not an endless amount of flexibility. And it's, it's bananas to me every time. It, I might get away with that for six weeks, and then it just bites me right in the butt yeah. because I'm not remembering this basic thing, which is no matter how, how urgent that request is, no matter how time-sensitive it is, no matter how important that person is, it, me just looking at that while I'm crossing the street, it, there's no way that that's an appropriate amount of attention, attention in any conceivable way. Right. Like in the same way that like, how, would you ever like decide to start writing a book when you're waiting for a cab to come? No, like that me. would seem the wrong time to do it. Well, it could be. Maybe that's the kind of thing where you have ADD and you need those little little bursts of dopamine to, to keep you going. But for most of us, there are so many tasks we wouldn't begin. You would not begin going through old photographs. Uh, when you know you have to catch a plane in a few minutes, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But there's all these, you can come up with these outlandish examples, but we kind of do that a little bit all day, all the time. To get back to this guy's question eventually, what I'm trying to say is that we all feel that anxiety about the inbox and we all feel that we're, we want to be good people and we want to be responsive and we want to not have our pants pulled down when we're not looking. Right. So it's totally natural to want to do that all the time. And, but I guess, I guess there's something I've just been thinking about so much just in life in general, thinking so much about, I don't know, we, I, we have never really found the right phrase for this, you and me, but it's something between a habit and a river. <laughs> like a habit is a thing that you've done often enough that you don't have to think about it anymore. And a river is something where some water went through land until it couldn't go anywhere else. And I'm talking about something between a habit and a river. Like, what is it that if I perpetually think a certain way, 
and then act a certain way. I mean, how many times does it take before it's virtually impossible for me to do anything else? The first time you smoke a cigarette, you cough a lot. But by the time you're almost dead from emphysema, it was real easy to smoke. Somewhere in between. That went from being something that was this thing you just did once to becoming somewhere between a habit and a river. And that's, that's the stuff that I think about here. I think the problem, yeah, it's kind of an email problem because email is, is the thing that, the, it's the, email's the MacGuffin. It's definitely the thing you can point to and say, aha, here's what this problem, you know, if this were a Hitchcock movie, email would seem to be the murderer. You would go, that's, that's what this movie's about. But it's kind of not. Email is just the thing that it's easy to hang this on because that's what you've allowed, whether you like it or not, you know, whether you're happy about it or not, whether your boss thinks you're doing well at it or not, you've allowed that to become the thing that is that cloud over your head at this point. And the, the, the thing that's between a habit and a river is that you now let your feelings about email become more important than pretty much anything else that, that, you, that you would or could do. A la, the procra- pro- a la the procrastinator who can't get past the idea of doing one thing before they can do 50 things. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a real thing. I really, really do. In that same way, you've conflated email to be this thing that's much bigger than what it really is, which is a bunch of letters. If it was really just a bunch of letters, if it was really just a bunch of bits and bytes, it wouldn't be a problem. But you know there's people inside all of those words. And that, so that grabs your heart. And you, you, you've got to deal with that. It grabs your attention. You have to deal with that. And I guess what I'm saying is, with this, this horrible uh, mix of analogies is that I think it's not uncommon in, at, at all for us to like become so emotionally worked up about a source of information, in this case, just email, that that can override all the other stuff we could potentially be doing. You know, it's, it's, it's back to that, you know, is this really as simple as just do it because if it was important, it would be done? Kind of. That's why we don't feel that distracted when we're having sex right? There's not that many things that we stop doing abruptly in the middle of intercourse <laughs> in order to go run and do something else. Cause that can wait. This has got our attention way. This is way over a writing feeling right now. So I guess what I'm saying is the, there's an exercise I want to propose, which is an exercise that is about becoming aware. I like that phrase somewhere between a habit and a river. Like there is a thing that you have done over and over and it's become so much a part of who you are and so much a part of how you think and how you see that it's going to be difficult to even realize that it's there. It's become hegemonic. It's, it's so much a part of your life that you don't even notice it. And you might call that email. But I would propose that you consider, consider an exercise where you take that thing, which in this case is email, and you kind of act like it doesn't exist. So, so here's the notion. This doesn't have to be tomorrow, but pick a day. Pick a day not too far in the future, because no matter what, this is going to take a lot of courage. But here's the exercise. It's a way to shock yourself into realizing what you're capable of and what's hard. And so try this. Try having a day. I'm going to say for the sake of argument, you pick tomorrow. And I want you to block out two hours. Let's say from 9 to 11, your local time. And what I want you to do in preparation for that is to think tonight about everything that you could have to deal with tomorrow morning within the realm of sanity. I would even say arbitrarily pick three things, three people that you need to contact. Do that tonight. Think about that because that two hours is going to be a period where you don't deal with input. You don't deal with the phone. You you go put the phone in another room, go put it in the refrigerator. You shut off email. You're going to shut off the Twitters and the Facebooks and the everythings. And it isn't just about distraction, although that certainly is, again, a MacGuffin. This is about something much larger than that. This is about finding out what happens when you shock yourself off, off. When you basically are in the exercise, you're going to act like those sources of information don't even exist. They don't exist for information. They don't exist for reference. 
So part one is plan a day where you're going to have two hours away. If you're going to let people know, hey, I'm going to be away from email for two hours, mm-hmm. you could lie and say you're in a meeting. Is that possible? Is that conceivable in your world that you could be somewhere where you don't have email for two hours? Gosh, I hope so. Let's pretend that's okay with this exercise. And then here's what you're going to do. Pick out one task. Sounds so simple, right? Pick out one task and not a two-hour task. Pick out like a 45-minute task. But pick out something that you can imagine yourself feeling great about having accomplished, but where you could also feel yourself feeling good about having worked on. And you could even feel a little better about just having started. So is there something positive? I mean, what what is the root of what everyone's saying? What everyone is saying is there's all this stuff I want to do. There's all this stuff I have to do. There's all this stuffity stuff, stuff, stuff. And the reason I can't do all that stuff is because of email. Okay, let's have two hours where we pretend that email doesn't exist and two hours in which you set aside time to do something that should take you a third, you know, third to a half of that amount of time just to get started on. And so you can see that this exercise has parts to it. A big, you know, a big part of it, you know, if you were great at this, you'd already be doing this every day. <laughs> if you were great at this, you'd be doing this twice a week, but you're not great at this. And that's why it's an exercise. So pick out something. It could be doing an outline for a talk that you're excited to give. It could be thinking about somebody planning somebody's birthday party coming up. It does not to be, need to be like a Marvel multiverse action. It could be something <laughs> really simple and kind of should be because the, the, the points of the exercise are to find out if you really didn't have that thing out there, if you just pretend it, can you even pretend for two hours that source of input doesn't exist? I bet that's going to be so much harder than you think. And let's find out how hard it is by letting you have permission to not have that thing exist, to not need that information, and to focus on one task in the entire universe that would make your life better or make your work good or make you just, it doesn't even matter. It could be something stupid. It could be sorting silverware. It doesn't matter. But you need to do that for two hours. Or put more saliently, you need to not even try to think, I don't say don't think about because that's part of it is realizing how often you're thinking about it, right? That's kind of the meta trick is, again, it's going it's to be like meditation. It's going to be like, how long can you sit here with this and deal with that, what has, has been discomfort in the past? How do you undig that river and how do you unlearn that habit? How do you become aware that this is so much a part of how you think now that you've now made it difficult unintentionally, you've made it difficult for yourself to focus on doing anything that's even good and fun. So that's the point of the exercise. And then be aware as you're going through the exercise of that two hours of working on whatever your, your passionate task is, work on that thing, but also be aware, start noticing how often are you thinking about email, which doesn't exist, right? How often are you thinking about what's happening on Twitter? How often are you wondering, should I just go like wander around in the break room? Whatever you're, you know what your version of that is, but notice it, try to sit through it, but notice that. And at the end of the two hours, be, be aware of that. Cause I think you're, you might discover something very interesting. This is, this is not super hopeful, but it might be helpful is that you might realize that even if email didn't exist, you might still, you would become so habituated. Your river is dug so deep. You will still find something to fuss about. Even if, even if what wasn't there before didn't exist. Why does it take me three days to get into a vacation? That's asinine. Mm. But it takes me three days to unhook. It takes me three days to stop looking at my phone. It takes me three days to stop trying to get a good Wi-Fi connection. It takes me that long to undig that river. And so I think the idea with this exercise for, the, for this person or anybody else is ultimately, yeah, it's kind of, eh, sort of about getting a task done, but the task could be anything. Doesn't matter what it is. Just say to yourself, I'm going to go do the dishes. Can you do the dishes without checking email for two hours? Ha ha, of course you can. Okay, then you're in good shape. Now, while you were doing those dishes, how often did you think about whatever your MacGuffin is? How often did you think about email? How often did you find yourself not thinking about dishes? 
And instead, thinking about all the stuff you should be doing instead of dishes. And how did that feel? Because I bet it caused anxiety. I bet your heartbeat went up. I bet you felt distracted. I bet you noticed yourself frowning a little bit. I bet your shoulders and your chest got kind of tight because you weren't doing the thing that makes you feel busy and and the, the busyness that makes you feel like you're engaged. Even though it's that very busyness itself that's making you completely unengaged and makes you stuff your own head up your own ass all day long until you don't even notice the smell anymore. So that's the exercise. Try that. Now, now it does take some planning. You get the purpose of this. You get that this is a little bit of a trick and you know it's going to be a trick, but try it anyway. You're so goddamn smart. See if you can do the experiment, work through the exercise. And really, I say it's an exercise because it's not just simply some ropes course to make you confident. Quite the opposite. It's to show you how vulnerable you are and to make you aware that that's something you need to work on. And if your life is valuable to you and your work is valuable, God, if you're email is valuable to you, then why wouldn't you make the small changes you need to in order to be able to do that stuff in the way that honors the value rather than just makes makes your shoulders scrunch up around your ears right. because it's so anxious about what you are or aren't doing. So it's kind of a mindfulness exercise. It's kind of a way of becoming aware of something that's difficult to put your finger on right now, but try it for two hours and see how that goes. And at the end of that two hours, try to be aware, like, was this really a problem about dishes or was this a problem about my attention? Was it a problem about my feelings, about my attention? Because I think that can be extremely informative. And I think it kind of shows that it's not really, never really was about email. And doesn't that kind of suck? <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Wow. Who lets me have coffee? What, Is that what, what happened? I love the, I love the episodes where you prepare. Oh, sorry. Let me go back. un. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Glamorous. <clears throat> Let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man.